3: You know, a lot of talk has been made about Ingram. Just curious what your thoughts are and being able to watch him last night.
1: I think he plays with a lot of poise. I think he, um, you know, he can shoot the long ball. He can go left and finish. He can go right and finish, left shoot, right and shoot. Extremely long and uh, knows how to use it. Um, so I was very, very impressed.
3: Okay, so we are here to interrupt our own show because Alan and I recorded this podcast before the Lakers game and we didn't think anything exciting would happen. But Alan, it is now 9 p.m. Pacific time right after the Lakers Timberwolves game. What does the phrase and that's the way the ball bounces mean to you? (laughs)
4: Well, what that means to me is D'Angelo Russell is going to make a buzzer-beating three-point shot from the wing to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves.
3: And was it lit?
4: It was freaking lit.
3: (laughs) Man, we haven't used that word in quite a while. Unironically, but it was lit. D'Angelo Russell, you know, I tweeted it out again tonight that just wait till D'Angelo gets reinserted late and he does some clutch things to help the Lakers win. And boy, did he do some clutch things to help the Lakers win. So, you know, after a night like this, I can't be anything but happy. I mean, it's comical, right? Because on the one end, we are already wrapping our heads around every second the game is going by as the Minnesota Timberwolves have a four-point lead with 30 seconds left. We're already wrapping our heads around, all right, well... At least we still have a chance at this tank thing. And then obviously the Lakers come back, you know, Meta World Peace misses a three. We're like, oh, cool. And then D'Angelo Russell gets the ball. And <laughs> then it's like our life was flashing before our eyes. Did you feel that way?
4: Oh, for sure. I thought it was very poetic that Meadow would get that three. I actually thought Meta was going to make it. That would have been hilarious. How ridiculous is this? Because I don't know. This guy's got to be retiring after this year, right? I think that's why Luke is giving him so many minutes. And had he hit the game winner, I'd be like, you know what? it's all good. That's just how it goes. But, uh, I mean, the fact that D'Angelo hit it and, um, you know, his grandmother passed away this morning. He, he told Mike Trudell after the game was over, that's why he ran up into the stands to greet his brothers. And he said that his grandmother was, was really young actually. And she raised his father and, you know, the father raised four boys. So he said, you know, to quote him, that it was, it was all God today. So, um, mm. Yeah, man, that's that's the way the ball bounces.
3: That's the way the ball bounces is going to be the phrase from now till the off season, for better or for worse. We'll see. Those Hopefully it's ping better pong
4: balls bouncing.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it might be a good thing. We never know. But yeah, yeah, that's a story. That's an outcome that goes beyond sports, beyond basketball. And at this point. You have to just get caught up in the litness, and we're going to do that. Having said that, even though the Lakers won tonight, as I break it down in the episode to come just shortly, the Phoenix Suns also blew out the Dallas Mavericks. As long as they win against the Kings and the Lakers lose out against New Orleans and Golden State, which is very possible, hey, they still tie the Phoenix Suns with uh, 25 wins. But... At this point, like you'll see in the upcoming episode, just the Lakers lost the tank. We lost the tank, folks. But given the way that these guys are having fun again to close the season, this is a great thing for the young guys. And once again, Brandon Ingram tonight, double figures and limited minutes looked amazing. You know, flashed the progress once again with some nifty passes. Um, some great drives and showed off his length even against Carltown. So, with that said, I hope you guys enjoy the episode to come. It's very fitting, very pertinent. Alan, I didn't tell you this, but the uh, title to this episode is Tanks, but No Tanks. So,
4: <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff.
3: So, it still totally works. With that said, we will return you guys to your original programming. Peace. Late. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy. Where, if you're following Lakers Twitter, as far as Lakers fans are concerned, apparently we've all sacrificed our firstborn child to the basketball gods, have entered into eight straight years of plague and famine. Every player's upside is now stained with the blood of no arc, low release points, and capped potential. And oh, yeah, the Lakers have also lost their 2017 top three draft pick. Also, I've lost my voice, so I sound more like Muse Cage Mamba without really trying. So, yeah. The sky roof ceiling wall is falling. Alan, (laughs) how are you feeling in the wake of pre-Lakers Armageddon Armageddon?
4: I feel just fine, to be honest.
3: (laughs) Is it because the Dodgers are I was just
4: going to say, dude, it's because baseball season started last week. And uh, I I freaking love baseball. If you're a relatively new listener... um, my mood is going to vary based on how the Dodgers do throughout this season, so you'll, you'll either have to enjoy that or, or bear with me.
3: Well, that's good that we have something going for us here. With that said, before we get started into all the tank talk, obviously my voice right now sounds very... I wouldn't even know how to describe it, but it sounds like I have a frog in my throat, so bear with me. First of all, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us at iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, That's how many Phoenix Suns ping pong balls the basketball gods will randomly turn into Lakers ping pong balls in our favor for May 16th lottery D-Day. So please rate and review us at iTunes because every rating and review counts now. Um, But hey, we already lost the pick anyway, so who cares, right? You know, so there we go. Speaking of rating and reviews uh today's review is going to be brought to us by officially shut down uncle p since he has nothing to do or nothing better to do he's just going to read reviews the rest of the season so uncle p take it away
1: hey man i don't know what you're talking about i got so much to do with little swaggy jr you know all right so here we go this one says best lakers specific podcast out there from Hans Bonds. I like that. All right. It was summer of 2016. We had just drafted D'Angelo Russell as our second pick in the 2016 draft. I was looking for a podcast for substance that would instill a sense of Lakers hype all summer long. Lakers legacy was the answer. It's hands down the best Lakers specific podcast out there. They talk Lakers with an air of optimism. Ooh, I like that word. But with a keen, I like that word, too. Sense of realism. Ooh, that's a good one. Whether we keep the pick or not this year, 2017, I know I can count on these dudes to see me through the ups and downs of Laker fandom. That was Hans Bonds.
3: Nice. Thank you, Hans Bods. I like how it started off very, like, in narrative fashion. Like, we were about to enter into some sort of, like, reading rainbow journey together. It was the summer of 2016. Uh, yeah, so that was today's reading, or today's review of the day. Thank you for that. Um, Uncle P, did you know that we are now officially on Dash Radio? Can you do you wanna give the folks a shout out and tell them when and where they can find us on Dash Radio?
1: Oh, what's up, Dash Radio? Y'all are some hot stuff right now. That's what I'm talking about. I got Dash waking me up in the morning, putting me in sleep at night. That's what's up, Dash Radio. So uh anyway, Lake is legacy, they be on Dash Radio every Monday. 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. That is prime time right there, baby. So, you know, you driving to work, you tired, you kind of sad that the Lakers either won or lost. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Either way, you're going to listen to the Lakers on Monday and you're going to get hyped. You know, you're going to be feeling real good even though Mondays kind of suck. They ain't going to suck no more. So listen to Lakers Legacy on Dash Radio, Mondays, 8 to
3: 9 a.m. Pacific time. What, what? Dash us outside? Dash me outside. Most hated. Nice. Thank you, Uncle Pete. With that said, uh, let's get our show started. So before we get into the Lakers news, uh, some quick NBA stuff going around the league. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping track of this, but uh, Paul George and Jimmy Butler have been going absolutely berserko to get their teams into the playoffs. And right now, the Chicago Bulls are in the eighth spot clinging on to the 8th spot, and I believe the Indiana Pacers are in the 7th spot, and man, Paul George, let me me read you his lines right now, last game he had 37 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 games ago he had 35 points, 10 rebounds, if you remember his duel with LeBron James, about a week ago he had 43 points nine assists nine rebounds this guy has just been going nuts ever since uh pretty much it's been determined that he's not gonna make the first second or third all nba teams this year i think he just took it to another level and reminded people why he is uh all nba all-star caliber type player so uh good for paul george and same goes for jimmy butler who last game had 33 points seven rebounds four assists Uh, The game before that had a triple-double, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. He had a 39-point game, a 33-point game, 36-point game. Uh, These guys are just putting on the afterburners to end the season, and I think you and I both would love to have either one of them on the Lakers. It's just, with these guys entering the playoffs, I think what we want to see happen is, right now, they're hyped, they're excited, they probably love their team once again, despite the turmoil that they've experienced. But let's just hope they kind of get Oh, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. It's been clear from Paul George's end that he has not liked his situation at all in Indiana. Um, He's been pushing to maybe explore his situation in free agency. And obviously he's been talking about the Lakers a lot. And then with regards to Jimmy Butler, actually someone, an inside source from the Chicago Bulls actually said that, this offseason, Jimmy Butler is pretty much gone. So, I don't know, obviously, take that with a grain of salt, but the but the fact that a Chicago inside source even threw that out there is pretty, uh, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire with regards to that. And so, with Jimmy Butler, I mean, his team is falling apart, but he's the only thing keeping it together at this point. So, if they, I, I think they're the one team that could actually just easily get swept by the Cavs. So, that would be good in our case. And if he is indeed gone, then he, clearly he could be just as had as Paul George this summer. So, Um, I guess, what are your thoughts between Paul George and and Jimmy Butler? And would you have a preference between the two? Obviously, Paul George is going to be a free agent. Jimmy Butler is still under contract, under a cheap contract, actually, I think, for the next two years. But I'm assuming, you know, you'd welcome either one. But I was wondering if you had a preference. Yeah, I'd
4: probably prefer Paul George. You know, before that leg injury, he was regarded as a person who could challenge LeBron James uh, for the Eastern Conference title. And I, I would definitely say that as far as his his ceiling and his versatility, he has the length that uh, I would take Paul George over Jimmy Butler. I think um, he might even have a little bit more like of a of a like a bigger window for staying great. You know what I mean? Than Jimmy Butler. Um, that being said, Jimmy Butler is an awesome player, and he he kind of flies under the radar because he didn't come into the league with any hype at all. So I'll take either one, but got to pick one with a gun to my head I would go Paul George.
3: Yeah, I think it's pretty close. Obviously, uh Jimmy Butler and Paul George are both 26 years old. They both play on both ends of the court. I think the the factor that kind of skews Jimmy Butler's favor a little bit is the fact that he's under contract till 2020. Um and his next he's making 16 million this year, 17 million next year, 18 million 2018-19. Um, sorry, I have to correct myself. I think his last, um, year he has like a player option, um, 2008, 2019, 20, but regardless, his next two years are under bargain contract. 17, 18 million these days is like a, almost like a $10 million contract compared to what max players, what compared to what max type guys are getting. So, um, I think that's what makes it close, and obviously Jimmy Butler is just a really solid player on on both ends, and the fact that he's even able to take this random mishmash mm-hmm. group of, of bulls to the playoffs is pretty impressive. So, obviously, great that those guys are once again proving that these are the you know these are franchise caliber type of guys, but we hope that. This good feeling they have right now for our, our own selfish sake dissipates really quickly once the, the playoffs happen yeah. and they get a reality check and they're like, oh, whoops, mm-hmm. our team really does suck. You know what so. I hope
4: happens, dude? I hope they both continue to put up these types of numbers every single game in the playoffs and they get swept. That'll make them even right. more frustrated.
3: Oh, you totally. Know? They're like, I'm doing everything yeah, I I want them can to both get not...
4: 45 points a game. I want them to both get average a double-double, have a bunch of steals and all this stuff and then still lose by 10 points each night.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Butler, Paul George getting hot. I, it's funny because I feel like the Pacers obviously signed Lance Bourne, Ready Stevenson uh, recently to kind of revitalize the Pacers, I guess. And uh, he hasn't really been doing that much on court outside of, you know, getting people pissed off by taking last second layups <laughs> <laughs> when, when the team is like up by like 20. But outside of that, I feel like maybe it has quelled Paul George a little bit and reminded him of the times when they were a really good team, like an Eastern Conference conference final team because that's the last time Lance Stevenson was there, you know, so you do anything at that point to help appease Paul George and at least in the short term it's helping. So, but yeah, once again, we just hope both teams fizzle out really quickly so the Lakers can take advantage of that bad taste in their mouths that the, that Paul George and Jimmy Butler will have. Outside of that, Alan, I don't know if you saw that Orlando magic whiteboard. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Who didn't see it? <laughs> seriously who didn't it, see it right so this past week the Orlando Magic and Rob Hennigan man you know we were talking about how sly Rob Pelink is and how he'll be able to just use his uh, sly maneuverings as a previous agent to get intel well apparently he doesn't have to do this with Rob Hennigan <laughs> and the Orlando Magic because I guess they just want to showcase whatever's on their whiteboard in the back regarding which free agents they want to target and which guys they want to trade off their own team to get those guys so as they were signing this random rookie, I don't even know what his name is, like Patricio whatever, um, in the background, I guess Patricio's agent took a picture of him signing the papers, which is great, you know, that usually happens, but for some reason, right in the back of him was this whiteboard showing all of Rob Hennigan's summer free agent targets, and also all of his trade targets, what players they want to, ch- what type of players they want to get and acquire, and who they would trade off of their own team to potentially get those players. Which, to me, is the funniest... I mean, it's a disaster, but it's so comically bad, a move that... Well, one, that you'd even have a guy that you're signing in that room to see that board... Yeah, you know, right. So, That's true. What What? What the heck? And very, then that very you'd have the I know. And then that you'd have the agent take a picture of all of that and forever immortalize it into the internet. So I just thought that was hilarious. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it.
4: You know what? Maybe, maybe it's just a new approach to things. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they say that uh, the definition of, of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over without a change in results. So maybe <laughs> they are really trying to change things up here, be incredibly transparent, let the world know what they're thinking and maybe their luck will turn
3: i i mean maybe yeah it might be like a long play sort of thing what if this is all a part of their plan and they randomly put all those names up as a maybe it's fake maybe they all just put that up for fun and those aren't re- really the names they're targeting and that's really oh
4: not. maybe they're just trolling everybody right
3: yeah it's like rob hennigan really is the smartest guy in the <laughs> well
4: world. how do you feel if you're luol Deng and you see that your name is actually on their list you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself, right?
3: You're right. I don't know what purpose that <laughs> serves, but
4: <laughs> I'm like, oh man, someone wants me. That's, that's crazy. Yeah.
3: Speaking of the names on the board, you know, it, it looks like the Orlando Magic are targeting hybrid players, quote unquote, hybrid players, meaning guys who can play stretch four and has, have some versatility. And Lou dang and Larry Nance were on there. And um, some other guys they want are Dario Saric. And apparently, Aaron, like they're willing to give up Aaron Gordon for a guy like Darius, Dario Saric. And it looks like there's a lot of people that they're looking to, you know, a lot of hybrid type players that they're looking at. And also, the biggest takeaway for me is that they're even willing to give up Aaron Gordon, who at this point has to be considered like one of their franchise players because they haven't been drafting well, yeah. you know? So man, I don't know if, if you guys want Dang and Nance for Aaron Gordon. Let's oh, do I'm this, down, you know? dude.
4: As much as I love me some Larry Nance, uh, yeah, I'd flip them for Gordon.
3: Yeah, and it's like, oh, would we, would you guys give us Mario Hazonia too for Dang? We, we'll do that. You know, he,
4: like, Mario Hazonia is the next Kobe. You know, <laughs> exactly. So
3: um, you know, it sucks for Rob Hennigan. And uh, afterwards, I don't know if you saw. It, but afterwards, he was like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd love to play poker with him. I know, right? It's like, it's sad, but, you know, that is the state of the Orlando Magic, sadly. And it just further shows the ineptitude of that organization. And I don't want to bang on them too much, but seriously, man, you guys got to clean that up. That sucks. (laughs) With that said, from sad news to even sadder news with regards to our own team, uh, we'll be going away from all the NBA stuff. And today, yeah, we're going to be sorting out our tank feelings and tank thoughts since, you know, Alan, it's been written in stone that we've lost this top three picks. So we kind of got to get through that. But before we do, as we started in the last episode, let's do Tankathon. The spin. Wheel of Fortune Tankathon spin to see what our lottery feels uh, So we did this... this- <laughs> <laughs> I hate it, but I love it. You do, I know. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to average out what we, you know, we'll tally this up, see what the results are through all the episodes from now till May 16th, and we'll just see what the majority is, right? I think that's the best way to look at it, but we'll see. Uh, last epi- last week's episode, we got the number two spot, so that was great. Now that we've dropped to number three, the Lakers are now 24-55. and 55. Uh, The The Lakers game against Minnesota hasn't started. The Phoenix game against the Bavs have it started, so... Uh, Phoenix is one game behind with 23 and 57 with two games left. The Lakers have three games left. Uh, Brooklyn has clinched the number one spot for Boston, unfortunately, but that was always going to be the case, even though they've been really hot. (laughs) Yeah, dude, Jeremy
4: (laughs) Lin like turned it up the other night. What do you have, like 34, 35 points season high?
3: Yeah, man, like anytime he's played this year, they've been a very competent team. Definitely not a top five worst team, you know, and there's six and four to, to, in their last 10. So it's pretty incredible. It's too bad that he just wasn't able to stay healthy this season. With that said, okay, here we go. Are you ready? ready? Tankathon, Wheel of Fortune, here we go. <laughs> ah, you're not gonna like this. What do we drop to like five? Well, here we go. Number one pick goes to Brooklyn, Boston, that stayed the same. Number two pick is still Phoenix. That stayed the same. Number three goes to the New York Knicks. And the Lakers drop to four and Philadelphia gets it. So that's not good news, but hey.
4: I mean, it's written in stone, right? So I completely expected that to happen. My heart rate did not change whatsoever. My palms are not sweaty. What's done is done.
3: Mom's spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Okay. One for one, that's fine. We lost our pick. But like we said, maybe that's the best mentality to take and one that a lot of Lakers fans have adopted at this point to try and reverse jinx or just mentally prepare themselves, which is totally fine. And given the um, recent transpirings of the week with regards to the Lakers winning three in a row, hey, what's what do you, what do you know? The Lakers are a winning team once again. Ayo. Um, Ayo. It's given a lot of fans, obviously, conflicted feelings. The Lakers have looked a lot better, obviously. Um, But to the detriment of the tank, let me just lay out quickly how these next four days are going to go. Because even though it is written in, quote unquote, written in stone, there is still a possibility that the Lakers end up the second worst team. So tonight the Lakers play Minnesota, and then they end their season with New Orleans and then Golden State, right? And Golden State is, I believe, away. Um, Meanwhile, Phoenix plays the Mavericks tonight at home, and then they end their season against the Kings in Sacramento. Now, they're only one game behind with 23 wins. The Lakers have 24. If Phoenix wins tonight, it doesn't matter whether the Lakers win or lose tonight. They could still end up tied. So if the Lakers and Phoenix Suns tie with the same record, they split the odds at 51% each. So at that point, it's 50-50. So it doesn't matter, right? If Phoenix loses tonight, then the Lakers have to lose tonight tonight against Minnesota, and they have to lose out pretty much in order for them to have a chance. So essentially, Phoenix would have to lose tonight, Lakers would have to lose out, and then Phoenix would have to win their last game against the Kings in order for the tie to happen. Now, if Phoenix wins tonight and wins against the Kings, the Lakers can afford to win one more game in order for both teams to have 24. If Phoenix wins tonight, wins in Sacramento, and the Lakers lose out, then the Lakers have firm have the firm number two spot. Does that make sense, Alan? (laughs) I've I've laid it. It
4: it makes complete sense, and I still hate it.
3: I, I know. I mean, yeah, exactly. So those are all the scenarios. While it may seem that like the Lakers have conceded the number two spot, there is a very definite possibility that they end up at worst tied with the Suns. And really, the Suns really only need to win their next two games. And given that the Mavericks are clearly out of the playoff race and would benefit in tanking a little bit to improve their standings. Right now, I believe they're like eighth or ninth in standings, right? And they're really close to Sacramento and Minnesota. It would benefit the Mavs to lose their last few games as well, you know? So Phoenix is clearly in a tank bowl with the Mavericks and the Kings. So it's not inconceivable that they win out these last two games. And the Mavs and Kings aren't great teams anyways. And it just takes Devin Booker getting hot for them to really win. So... If that happens, then the Lakers can afford to win one game between Minnesota, New Orleans, and Golden State, and we'll still tie with them. So in that scenario, not all is lost. There is a chance. But just to make sure that we're all mentally prepared, the Lakers are in the number three spot. We have lost our seeding. And Alan, how are we going to deal with our, with our um, emotions and thoughts at this point? Um, quickly, before I get your thoughts, just some NBA Lotto history do you remember the last time the number three pick won the lottery? Uh, I do not. Okay, so the last time the number three won the lottery was back in 2013 when Cleveland had the third worst spot and jumped to number one to infamously pick Anthony Bennett.
4: Yeah, Tony Bennett.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's been four years. And, yeah, you know, the the number three spot hasn't had that great of a shot at winning really and it hasn't really had a good shot in staying in the top three that being said the number two spot hasn't really had a great track record either which is which which just goes to show you this is all random luck and the number two spot could be just as bad as the number three spot in terms of bumping out because in 2013 the number two spot jumped dropped to the number four spot right yeah and then obviously if anybody remembers D'Angelo Russell's draft year we did not have that number two spot to begin with. We were number four worst record that year, and we somehow jumped to the number two and bumped out the Knicks, who had the number two spot at that point. So just goes to show you, you know, we're, we're desperately trying and hoping that we get the number two spot, but that could be just as bad a place to be and then the number three. So just all flat-out luck. And so, Alan, I'll turn it to you. How are you feeling about it? How have you felt about the Lakers winning these last three games and just quote unquote tanking or tanking badly.
4: Uh well first of all, what I'm gonna do on the day of the lottery is I'm gonna get this food from this particular restaurant, which is the same one that I ate back in twenty fourteen when we jumped from four to two. I'm gonna eat the exact same meal. Um it was at our buddy Victor's house and Victor is not here anymore. He's in Northern California. I'm going to see if I can still go to that house where his parents live and just eat it there. I'm sure they will be perfectly fine with it. And that's going to bring us all the luck we need. The other thing I need to do is choke on a rice kernel. When I learn that we are jumping up in the draft, cause that is what happened that day. Victor and I were jumping up in each other's arms and I was chewing some rice and I, I swallowed the wrong way. And it was, it was awful. So, uh, First of all, that's what's going to go down with that. Um, In terms of how I've been feeling the last few days, honestly, dude, it's like when it's a situation like this, I'm not getting stressed over it. There's nothing we can do. And I understand the flip of that is, well, if the Lakers were a contender and they're in the NBA finals, couldn't you also say there's nothing you can do about that either? So why even get stressed about the game? It's like, okay, of course that's true, but it's a lot more fun to be stressed in that moment because we're cheering for something good. Uh, when it's this, I just sit back and if we lose, we lose. Um, I don't know, like all these people who are getting so upset over the Lakers not tanking the right way. It's I don't know what else you expect this team to do when you're putting out Tyler Ennis, David Nwaba, Meta World Peace for like more than two minutes, mind you. Um, Thomas Robinson, like who's good, but I mean, I don't know, like who else are you going to throw out there? You know, I guess we could put Mozgov and Ding back out, but we've officially shut them down. So that's just not going to happen. It's a team of scrubs and it's when we're winning games going into the fourth quarter that they're in for long stretches. It's not our fault. The team we're playing just really sucks that night. Like the game against the Spurs. I kept saying over and over, there's no way the Lakers win this game, even though they were up by like 100 points. It's fine. The Spurs are going to come back. The Spurs just played like complete garbage. It was probably the worst I've ever seen the Spurs play. That might be a little hyperbolic, but it was terrible. So what do you want us to do? And uh, even the other night when we were playing against Sacramento, um, it's like we had this team out this lineup out there of guys who literally can't do anything offensively. It was Tark Black and Thomas Robinson, I believe. And then, you know, all those other guys. And yet they're getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. They're getting easy putbacks. Um, Tyler Ennis is doing whatever the heck he wants out there. So, again, I, I, I can't be mad at the Lakers for not tanking the right way in those moments. And sure, Luke put in... Our starters, the last five minutes or so of the game. Some people say, Oh, well, you should have left the the third, fourth, fifth, tenth unit guys out there longer. It's like, well, at that point, I don't know, like, what what message are you sending your team? You know, if I'm Brandon Ingram, it's the last few games of my rookie season. Actually, sorry, Brandon Ingram didn't play at the end because of his knee. If I'm D'Angelo and Julius and all those guys at the end of my second, third year. I want to get out there as much as possible, and I want to prove to Magic and Rob Polinka that I belong. It's not fair to them to just sit them at the end of games. I don't think Rob and Magic want to see that either. Of course, they want the pick, but they're still going through evaluations. They haven't even been around here for that long in this capacity. So as Luke has said numerous times, we're in a very unique situation. So that is him essentially acknowledging, yeah, we want to lose these games, but there's only so much we can do to make that happen.
3: Right, totally. And, you know, once again, you know, people paid money to see some of these guys play. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I'm sure a lot of Lakers fans at Staples are very knowledgeable of the fact that we could lose our pick. But at the same time, they don't want to watch a full fourth quarter of Noah, T. Rod, I mean maybe maybe Mad World piece.
4: Dude, people get lit when that's in the <laughs> game at Staples. It's hilarious. They do,
3: but yeah, again, you know, like Luke did everything he could without being so blatantly bad that the basketball gods would curse us at that point. You know, you don't want to be so blatantly bad. There's like a line that you can kind of straddle to kind of make things work on both ends, but you don't want to push it all the way to one side where it's so blatantly apparent that you're, you know, disrespecting the game at that point just to get a 9% better odds, you know. And you know, Julius Randle said it at the post game where he was like, "Tanking, we don't believe in that. The basketball gods, I believe, will come back to haunt you if you tre- and it will come back and haunt you if you don't treat the game with respect." So, I mean, the players are aware of this and you know, Julius Randle said the exact right thing. It's like you have to at least treat it with some bit of respect here even if you're also trying to be mindful of that fact and you know, trot out those weird lineups. So I guess my question to you is, have the Lakers been tanking? So if we look at the San Antonio Spurs game, you know, was D'Angelo Russell legitimately hurt for that game? Or did they just really pull him out? Was Brandon Ingram legitimately hurt after the first half? And did they just pull him out? So yeah, I guess in your opinion, has Luke Walton trying, been trying to tank and just been randomly bad bad at it or just had random confluences of events that kind of just deterred that and bad luck? Or yeah, what's your opinion?
4: Uh, I would say those guys actually probably did get hurt or injured a little bit. Like D'Angelo, they said he banged his knee in practice. None of us were there. I'm sure something like that did happen. That being said, if this game were extremely important for us to win, would he have played or if it were earlier in the season? Probably. When Brandon Ingram plays 10 minutes of amazing basketball and then you sit him the entire second half because we don't want to take any chances. This is precautionary. Again, I'm sure he could have played through it. And that's essentially what they said It's just precautionary. Um, I, I, I did take the Brandon Ingram one as sort of like, uh oh, <laughs> this guy's playing us playing a little bit too well right now. So you right. Know, let, let's just sit him because he's not feeling good either. Um, Jordan Clarkson did bang his knee like we, we saw the video. It's funny, though, because when he's walking back to the locker room, like there was zero limp whatsoever. It looked like he needed to use the restroom or something. Um, and then they didn't bring him back either. That one, again, probably could have played through, but there is actual evidence that something happened. So let's just not play him. Um, when all that stuff was going down against San Antonio, I, I did have that kind of um, you know negative thought of, ooh, it looks like we're kind of scheming here a little bit. But... Um, we got enough out of the guys that, you know, we wanted to see play, especially Brandon. He had such a great game. It's like we can feel comfortable sitting him. Uh, But the other stuff, I think we're towing that line as closely as possible, which is better than just flat out sitting dudes. Like when, like if Devin Booker were to sit a game just for rest.
3: Right. And I guess maybe some people might point to that as being the Devin Booker type game, but at the same time it was against the Spurs, which is you don't really need to rest anybody. Against the Spurs, you know what I mean. True. It's, true. The Spurs, um, and like I said, and like you've said, it's just a bad combination of events and luck that happened where the Spurs ended up sitting their starters. Right, the second half of the Spurs game, yep. pretty much, yeah, a good chunk of it. So at that point, what can you do? Even if you had D'Angelo Russell and whoever playing, we still would have won regardless. So exactly. It's just like a bad confluence of events here, and yeah, the Lakers have won three straight, and. I, I Unfortunately, I don't think they should have won the San Antonio game. You know, Tyler Ennis had a great game. David Nwaba had a great game. But outside of that, it's like the Memphis game and the Sacramento game, there were enough flashes from guys where you can legitimately say, okay, I took something away from that. You know what I mean? Even not having said all that, I like you said, I think Luke has done as best a job as possible at straddling both lines without being so overly apparent that it would piss off the basketball god, so to say. With that said, actually... Tommy Alexander, our third co-host on this podcast, is like we've mentioned in Tokyo, Japan, right now. But he couldn't help himself, Alan. He's here's a sign of a true Lakers fan. Um, <laughs> he just had to let out some steam regarding all this tank talk and all these yeah, these tank rants by everybody and people freaking out and losing their crap over this stuff. So he actually left us a, uh, a memento, Mem- memoir, <laughs> a memoir. Mem- <laughs> mem- memoirs of uh, Tommy Geisha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's appropriate. He's in Japan. There you go. Exactly. Nice. So, Alan, without further ado, why don't you read Tommy's thoughts on all of these tank lotto implications?
4: All right, here it is. Uh, I will say he used some choice language. So I'm going to creatively replace those words as if you're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie on like TNT or something where the words that they substitute don't make any sense. So here we go. Quote, I can't deal with the bull spit takes on how the Lakers are stupid for winning games right now. We have no control over Phoenix, dropping 20 in a row to close the season. When we were like four wins behind them, these fudgers had the easier strength of schedule, and they pull this blatant diarrhea tank job. What are we supposed to do? It's a bull snake take. Half of our total wins currently came in like the first two months of the season. We played Clarkson, Ingram, Randall, and Nance, all less than 30 minutes. D'Lo didn't play and Meta did. And we beat the second best team in the league. Stuff happens. Unfortunately, you're not able to forfeit games before they're played. The NBA knows tanking is a problem. Somehow, I sincerely doubt they publicly reward a team for losing 20 games in a row to close the season. There's a point about a quarter of the way through the season, and even beyond, where keeping the pick wasn't a remote possibility. Now we can win out and still have a 46% chance of keeping it. I also don't like the way the media frames it, as if the Lakers losing 2017 means they lose 2019. Which, by the way, we have been talking about for years. They don't lose 2019. They regain 2019. That pick was traded in the Dwight deal. We would be very lucky to keep it. If anything, the magic gets screwed for losing Dwight for nothing if we keep it. It's not like because of some weird stipulation, now suddenly we might lose some pick we weren't supposed to lose. This pick was supposed to be conveyed years ago if everything went according to plan. People are seriously freaking out. Over 55% versus 46% chance of keeping the pick. It's such a joke. You're slightly on one side of the coin flip or the other. It's just easy as the media to take an extreme fear and monger position as clickbait. And then the uninformed masses just accept whatever bull stuff they say. If the media take was, meh, they dropped a bit, less than 10%, but it's a coin toss regardless. They just need some luck. That's really the situation. LOL. Then people will just say, yeah, big deal. It's a lottery anyway. They can lose out and they still need a ton of luck. And all these buttholes, um, someone included, (laughs) should I say that guy? Okay. (laughs) This person are going to hide and pretend this fear mongering never occurred if the Lakers win the lotto and Phoenix drops to four or something, they'll say, wow, the Lakers got lucky. No spit. Even a 55% chance of keeping the pick requires a lot of luck. It's just such a ridiculous stance to take that dropping one spot means you're totally screwed. Top 5 protection? Fine. Maybe you freak out a bit more. But top 3 is such a crapshoot already. We are literally two years removed from the Lakers jumping from 4th worst record to number 2 pick. And everyone fearmongered and biatched back then too. Oh, if we didn't win pointless games, we could have been third worst and had a better chance than Philly. Then everyone was quiet when we leapfrogged Philly and the Knicks. In that case, if we had lost more games like everyone wanted us to, we would have fallen out of the top three like the Knicks, who fell from number two to number four. And still everyone ignores it. Again, that is when I was choking on Rice and Victor Wang's parents' house. The worst record team has won the lottery two years in a row. They're not going to give the Celtics the number one pick, so as far as I'm concerned, it's up for grabs. We are playing the game the right way and not losing 20 in a row to close the season, like Phoenix. Anyway, that's the end of my Tokyo rant.
3: All right. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks, Alan, for reading that. (laughs) (laughs) Audible.com. Yeah, no, I mean, everything Tommy said is 100% true. It's a lot of... When, when you don't have anything going for yourself, like, th- to end this season, this is all we can focus on. This is all the media will focus on. Like he said, a lot of fear-mongering going on because, I mean, at this point, it's like there's no use. I mean, we could freak out all we want to, but it, we're, we're, like, a month away from really seeing how everything plays out. So it would make more sense to just see how things play out at that point because, like I said, if we continue to, like, covet and lust over the number two pick, what if that pick just ends up dropping out, you know? Like Tommy said... In 2015, when we were when we were number four, it dropped to number two. We wanted to be in Philly's spot at number three, and it ended up being that they ended up staying at that spot. You know, so the best situ like the best way to handle this, is to just mentally prepare to lose the pick, be pleasantly surprised, and at the same time, not set things in stone already, and just let things play out. And like Tommy alluded to with regards to the 2019 pick. That's another form of fear-mongering because we make the situation worse than it already yeah, is. Yeah, because, because we no say, one talks about this. It's like, hey, by the way, the reason why we should be so you know scared right now is because not only do we lose 2017 first-rounder, we also lose our 2019 Orlando pick. And just to set the details clear if our 2017 pick does not convey, then we get, we keep our 2018 pick next year and that's totally unprotected. So no matter where we land in the standings, that's the pick we're going to get. And no team is going to, is, is going to be able to take that away from us, which is great. So 2018, 18 pick is all ours, but in 2019, then our first rounder will unfortunately go to Orlando, but that's because of the Dwight Howard trade that we made back in 2012, you know? So that was always going to happen. Now, The random stipulation is if we do keep our 2017 pick, then our 2018 pick goes to Philadelphia unprotected. They keep it no matter what. And then 2019, we keep our first round pick. And then Orlando... Orlando's first round pick turns into two second rounders right so that's just a random thing where enough time has passed that all of a sudden and enough time has passed enough random pick swaps and trades have happened that unfortunately for Orlando and their fans that first round pick that we owed them is suddenly going to turn into uh, two second round picks and that's their GM's fault for agreeing to that you know. So it's not like like Tommy has been saying, it's not like we lose 2019 first round pick. We never had that to begin with Yeah. if everything played out. So the fact that people would use that in this scenario just to make it seem even worse that we're going to lose the 2017 pick and 2019 pick is, like he said, more fear-mongering yeah. that is unnecessary. So I don't know if you had any other thoughts.
4: Yeah, that 2019 is like a total plus. It's just a bonus. It's something that we acquired because Orlando is stupid you know it's like we never had it to begin with so don't act like oh no we lose that one too like that was just a bonus so if we don't have it then okay we never had it anyway right it's something to be gained not lost
3: exactly so it's pointless to add more crap onto this pile just to make ourselves you know feel even worse about it and be like self-masochistic or whatever you know um so you know like we said just but it's so fun to be negative (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? I mean, yes, it does suck. You know, we is is two a better spot than three? Sure, but at this point, we don't really know. What you, so, what are you
4: gonna do? You know,
3: I know exactly. And I, I think there's one other thing that I wanted to add that you know Chris Mannix or whatever has talked about Adam Silver needing to do something about this tank job that the Suns and the Lakers are doing, and the only real example he could give of the Lakers adamantly tanking because you know there's a difference between sitting Mozgov and Dang versus sitting. Tyson Chandler, Brandon Knight, and Eric Bledsoe, right? You know, Mozgov and Dang, they were really taking minutes away from young guys that we wanted to see play, and they weren't actively helping because they were on our team when we were, like, a 20-win team, you know, yeah. mid-season. So it's not like they were actively contributing to wins. Would they have made our defense better? Would they have cleaned up some turnovers and whatnot? Not sure. But it wouldn't have affected the wins and loss column, you know? Right. Right. So the fact that he brings that up is weird. If there's any one thing that people should point to is the Lou Williams trade. That you could say, okay, fine. That may have been in tank consideration. But at the same time, we knew he wasn't going to help us and we could extract value now. So it only made sense to do that, right? Um, And so I was kind of annoyed that Chris Mannix would use this example of the Lakers adamantly tanking by taking minutes away from the young guys. And I was like, in what example has that happened? And the only one he could really break up was the San Antonio Spurs game where D'Angelo Russell was apparently healthy and they sat him and Brandon Ingram was held out for the second half. So that was the only real example he could give. Otherwise, all of our other games, our young guys have been playing as many minutes as they could handle, you know? So it's just a weird narrative that people like to...
1: That's so ridiculous. Like we, we
3: won that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's... It's really strange, but uh, yeah, you know, there is a tanking problem, but the Lakers aren't actively abusing it. They're straddling the line, yes, but it's not so blatant where D'Angelo Russell's playing zero minutes, you know? Uh, with that said, obviously, this techie stuff has us all worked up, and uh, it is kind of stupid. Like I said, let things play out.
4: We're like anti-worked up. We're worked up about people getting so worked up.
3: You're right. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. But yeah, before we move on to more fun topics in terms of progress and seeing some flashes. I don't know if you had... Do you have any last thoughts on the tank?
4: No. No.
3: Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right, with that said, we're going to close this show out with how the Lakers' young players have been looking in terms of the three-game win streak because when there are wins, there's probably some good play to be had and and that surely is the case. So here we go. So the Lakers have won three in a row. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! With that, you know, we've had some pretty good games from some of our young core players. And obviously with that has come the return of Brandon Ingram, who has shown no ill effects whatsoever from his knee tendinitis, right? In fact, he's looked more explosive, even in spite of the minutes cap where he's only played around 23 to 25 minutes since his return. But, um, you know, his first game against the Clippers, he... Busted out with 18 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Then against Memphis, he had 13 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. Against San Antonio, he had 8 points and that all came in the first half where he was hitting turnaround jump shots like it was no one's business over anybody. And obviously against Sacramento, he had 14 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals, and 2 ferocious jams. So, yeah, let's just land upon Brandon Ingram for a second because he has just continued his torrid pace since the All-Star break and If it wasn't for that San Antonio game where they held him out in the second half, I wish he had just gotten 10 points in the first half. Otherwise, he'd have a streak of 14 straight games um, in double figures since that Boston zero-pointer, you know? Um, As it stands, he has 13 out of the last 14 in double figures, which is great. And in the month of March, he's averaging 13.5 points, 2.4 assists, 4.1 rebounds on 51% shooting from the field, 30% from three. One steal a game, 0.5 blocks, and most of all, outside of the stats, he's just looked phenomenal. So, Alan, what have you thought about Brandon Ingram this last stretch to close the season, especially since his return from knee tendinitis?
4: I love it, dude. He looks like a completely different player since the All-Star break. And, um, you know, it was always just a matter of time. Um, We were all frustrated, and he was frustrated too, with his poor shooting and his indecisiveness and not being aggressive. But again... This guy's younger than Josh Jackson, right? So it's just going to take some time. And we all said we just got to be patient and he'll come along because he's a smart player. He's very skilled, whatever. Well, we're seeing all that now. We really didn't have to wait that long. So it's extremely encouraging. I think the, the thing that I like to see most from him is when he plays with his back to the basket and he's just shooting these fadeaway jumpers um, when guys like Aaron Aflalo are guarding him. Um, Not to take anything away, but often he will get matched up with a smaller guard, so you expect him to shoot over those guys. Aaron Aflalo has been one of the NBA's best uh, perimeter defenders in the league for a long time now. So um, to see that is huge, and really it's just a shift in his mentality. And not so much like, oh, he's being more aggressive, it's that I think he's very confident now. Um, so whatever conversations he's had with Luke or, you know, like magic definitely spoke with him and said, he needs to be more aggressive. And he told Luke at one point, like during his first week on the job, Hey, go tell Brandon to like, really take it strong to the hole, don't shy away from contact. And Luke told magic, no, nah, man, like you go tell him. Cause sometimes it just needs to be heard from someone else. So I'm not saying that that is necessarily the turning point, but who knows? Like maybe it was that thing that triggered him. Um, And then there's there's obviously him and all of his dunks. All of a sudden, you expect him every single game to have at least one monster dunk where he tomahawks that thing through Um, the dive the other night with the pass from Jordan Clarkson obviously stands out. But obviously, you know, that's the one that a lot of people think of. The one that really sticks out for me was on the other end of the floor in the second half where he looked like Giannis. He took like those two big steps, got fouled, and then dunked it over. Was it Papa Gianni? Yeah, dude, that one really impressed me. I, like, started yelling <laughs> as he took the two steps, like, oh, my God. And I, like, stood up and just went nuts. Well,
3: he actually let out a primal scream of his own right when he dunked it, which is, like, awesome to see if you watch the replay. Like, he right oh, as he dunked sure. it, he, like, screams. Yeah. And it's, like, nuts. You could see, like, the fire in his eyes. And the fact that he – that was off of – he took it the length of the court, pretty much. He had – he got like, I think he got a yes. steal or a rebound. And he was actually – telling guys to get out of the way which was funny he was like no 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 get out of my way and then the tiny
4: dog tiny dogs come and get out of the way (laughs) i know dude and then
3: he he was at the three-point line took like his explosive first step which is you know his one of his most underrated abilities his first step is ridiculous especially because he takes such long strides that it gets him pretty much all the way from the three-point line to the free throw line already and just jammed it down papa giannis with that length and it was Yeah, it was an amazing play to see the fact that he dribbled the ball all the way down. You know, people are going to talk about Thod Baker ducking it crap. Well, guess what? Thod Baker does not handle the ball the way Brandon Ingram does. Thawd Baker cannot dribble the ball and get these posterizing jams the way Brandon Ingram does, which is the most impressive part to me, that he took it the length of the court, told people to get out of his way, and took it straight down. I think either healed or Aflalo was guarding him and then, sped by that guy and then jammed it down Papa Giannis. So that was super aggressive, super assertive. He just looks more explosive and he said it himself like I'm making an assertive effort to take it down the lane every single time and Luke has been helping me learn how to either Luke or one of the other coaching staff members has helped him learn how to use his length more effectively in the paint and in the lane and he said that's what's really been helping him. And just to show his explosiveness when he was cutting down the lane for that pass from Clarkson and then he really got up, like, I think that's the most I've seen him get up from the floor. You know what I mean? Where he, Definitely. He, oh yeah. He rose and then he extended his long ass pterodactyl arms. And then if you could, if you watch like a replay of it or a freeze frame, his like hand is at the top of the like square backboard side, yep. you know? Yep. Um, so not only did he get, cause usually when he dunks like that, the most impressive part is to see how long his arms are. But that dunk in particular, the verticality was also there. So it looked even, oh, yeah. even more impressive. So yeah, his athleticism has been there. The turnaround jump shot has been his most lethal weapon just in terms of, does it look boring at times? Yes, but the fact that he's that boring and that fundamental and sound is perfect. Because-
4: oh, dude, it gets me so excited to see that. He's 19 years old Yep, and he's got that in his arsenal, the mid-range game, and you don't see those things develop until a player gets older you know they're like, oh wow like lebron has finally figured out how to play with his back to the basket yeah. because he's getting older and he's got to think about those things now whatever it's like brandon's already doing it and it's it's just been there like he did that when he was at duke so it's yeah like you said it's great that he's using it now even though it may look boring to some people it gets me super hyped up
3: Well, also, this is why it looks boring. It's because he still can't really gain that much position because of his weight. So he's just literally feeling out where the defender is so he can turn around and just shoot over them, you know? So the fact that he could do that without necessarily having the ability to push people around yet is awesome. Because once he does have the weight, then it's going to be even more lethal than it already is. So super impressed by Brandon Igram. His rise in the post-All-Star break in terms of his efficiency and everything is... I don't know, pretty incredible. Something that I haven't really... I didn't think I would witness or see, especially given how dear in the headlights he looked to begin the season, you know? But it's just like he said, it's been a total mentality flip for him. And it's done wonders. And this confidence, it's going to like bleed into summer league, preseason, next season, etc. And it's going to be so beneficial to his progression. The fact that we're already seeing this much progress to end this season is is incredible. So, I don't know if you had anything else to say about Brandon. I'm
4: excited for Summer League. <laughs> oh, no,
3: yeah, totally.
4: Like obviously we're all excited about the NBA playoffs, but for Lakers' sake, I can't wait for Ingram and Zubots who've both gone on record and said we're going to dominate the Summer League. I mean, that's like a hilarious statement in and of itself, but I mean, for these guys, they have no reason, especially Brandon, not to just absolutely tear it up, take over the whole thing, be the stars of the summer, be the ones that everybody's talking about going into next year, and just obliterate the competition because they are so much better. So I can't wait for, what, like, beginning of July-ish to roll around.
3: No, totally. And, you know, another thing about Brandon Ingram is his three-point shot has still not been falling at this point. His free throw shot still needs a lot of work. So the fact that these two things are not working for him right now, and he's just... Aggressively taking it to the basket, his bid rage game is odd point. He could essentially, if his free throws were shored up or his three point shot was even marginally better, he should be averaging technically like 15, fifteen, sixteen points. You know. Yep. So yep. he just needs to make those incremental tweaks this summer, and it's gonna be man. He's gonna be so. You want to make
4: a you want to make a way 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 too early prediction with me? Yeah, sure. Go. I say he gets most improved player of the year next year.
3: I like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I could see that happening. That would be great. Uh, It would be in line with, like, how Tracy McGrady kind of came came out to the the map, pretty much, averaging nine points. And then the next year, he got most improved player. So that would be cool. Um, I would definitely love to see that. And, you know, it's not out of the question that this guy somehow ends up averaging 15 points next season. You know, all he needs to do is hit his free throws at like a decent clip, 70 to 75%. uh, Bring his three point percentage up, tweak his shot a little bit so he gets more arc and touch in there. If he shoots like 32 to 35% from threes, yeah, he could easily average 15 points because right now, without having the strength, just having that aggressive mentality to always take it in the late and know how to use his length against defenders. Also, the fact that he can make these awkward shots, right? On these turnaround shots, they're not normal shots, right? Sometimes he does like the Dirk one-legged fadeaway. The fact that he has that in his arsenal is incredible, really. So um, it's all helping him out right now to be able to hit these awkward shots. And then, like, I, like I've like been saying, once he gets the strength to go along with it, it's just going to become easier and easier for him um, along the way. So, yeah, very excited for Brandon Icarab. Yeah, what, I guess to close this show, what else have you saw seen from like the rest of these guys? And, you know, since our last podcast, Luke has inserted this kind of... Uh, true core lineup with nance and randall in the front court and obviously that's led to winning you know three games in a row so yeah what have you thought about the lineup and just i guess any other particular players that have stood out in your mind
4: yeah it uh it does look good and you know larry nance has talked about he's never had he's never played center in his life but he's embracing that role and uh it is working out pretty well julius has had some great games too and with Julius, it's just all about his motor. And again, I think Larry Nance said that after the game. If Julius has it going and he's feeling energetic and engaged, then you know there's there's really no stopping him. He's he's a monster on the boards and he just does all the dirty work for you. Uh, Julius had that one play in the game against Sacramento where he he tried to like pull a Dr. J or something. He like first of all, he dribbled behind his back and he shook Ben McLemore off the dribble. And then he went up with his right hand and then like went under with his left and put a lot of English on the shot. And it was ridiculous. Um, and you know, that you figure that's with a, a front court that Sacramento has is pretty big. So that was impressive. Julius has definitely shown some, uh, some flashes here and it's all about his consistency. <clears throat> Other than that, I think Jordan Clarkson has been really solid coming off, uh, And sorry, not coming off the bench, uh, starting besides D'Angelo, and you know the point guard shooting guard thing. It really does not matter. It's so evident right now. They are both combo guards. They share it. Whatever comes naturally within the flow of the offense um, is what's best for us. We don't need to play within so much structure. Uh, So Jordan has been good. D'Angelo, for the most part, has been good. A little bit inconsistent, a couple nights, um, but he did have that one clutch shot (laughs) against Sacramento. Uh, he didn't shoot particularly well in that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he correctly.
3: was only 4 for 10, but he did hit that clutch 3 and then that clutch drive floater in the game. So.
4: Yeah, yeah, so it's it's good to see that. Right now the team, I mean, obviously winning 3 games in a row, it's easy to say, oh, they're all clicking. But we are starting to see... Uh, a better flow you know at least on the offensive end which has been really encouraging and hopefully you know they finish out the season strong that's all you want to see and if you're a play you know you have to put yourself in their shoes as much as people say we should be losing and things like that if you're a player (laughs) like you want to end the season strong because you don't know what the future holds for you so you're really going to ball out and kind of like with kobe having a 60 point game on the last game of the year Uh, last season we're like oh maybe this will like lead into the offseason and give them that momentum and that push and the positive energy I would look at the end of this year the exact same way we don't want to have like a 30 point loss in one of these final three games of the season because that leaves such a bad taste in everybody's mouth. so uh, yeah I hope since the uh, draft pick is officially gone uh, I hope that we just kick everybody's butts to be honest
3: no totally and like the guys are really bringing effort and energy and it, it's good for them to see that pay off with tangible wins. So there is some positive to be had from this regardless of whether or not we lose our pick and D'Angelo Russell against Memphis last Sunday, you know, twenty-eight points, six rebounds, five assists hit a couple clutch shots against Mike Conley, uh, like a clutch three actually as well in the fourth quarter. So he had a really good game against the guy that he considers like one of his role models, Mike Conley, you know, and against a really good Memphis team. And we got that win. So, And then obviously against San Antonio, he didn't play at all. So even though he was inconsistent against Sacramento, the fact that he came back in the fourth with only like five minutes left and was able to hit two of the biggest shots of the game was further proof that you know maybe he's not letting stuff get to him as easily as it would have in the beginning of the season. And that's always good to see, especially because he started the game off with a bunch of turnovers in that Sacramento game. So from all ends, the guys are showing a lot of, Good flashes. And obviously, Julius Randle, the last game. I mean, 25 points, six rebounds, two assists. He had that crazy behind the back dribble into the scoop de do layup and one layup or whatever that everybody was going crazy over. That was one of his most impressive plays. He shot 10 for 14 from the field. So, yeah, Julius Randle had an amazing game that game as well. And then Memphis, he also had 18 and 11. So it's good to see the guys coming around and, yeah, just playing off of each other um i don't know if you remember but pete actually highlighted it but there was that one play where there was like two or three touch passes between julius Randle, jordan clarkson and d'angelo russell yep
4: yep yeah pete Zayas said that was like his favorite play of the Lakers season
3: yeah do you want to describe it to people
4: yeah there were um and shout out to pete laker film room guys are awesome uh learn so much from you guys all the time um yeah, there were like seven different actions in this one offensive possession for us, and um, what the awesome part of it was, we really like exhausted our options on the offensive end. We didn't just take like the first thing um, that happened, whether it's like a dribble handoff or um, you know someone coming off of a screen or whatever. We made pass after pass after pass, attacking the basket, getting better and better. Uh, opportunities to score each time. And at the end of it, you have a touch pass from a diving D'Angelo Russell to uh, Julius Randle in the paint, easy bucket. And uh, it was extremely impressive. It's night and day, 180 degree switch around from last year's Lakers, where they would make three useless passes in a possession. And then there's a jack up, you know, isolation shot. Um, so yeah, that was, if if anything, like that's the one play actually that I would like to remember this season by just in terms of like the progress we've made, is that what we've been doing all year long? No, of course not. And Luke has said multiple times, he has had to simplify the playbook so much, (laughs) you know, for these guys to digest it and understand, which is fine. You don't want to throw the whole thing at them. And then, you know, that leads to extremely poor execution, um, it's baby steps and that is evidence that uh you know that was the right approach
3: yeah and I I believe five guys touched the ball from Jordan Clarkson out at the baseline and then Brandon Iker back at the three-point line then it went to Randall back to Jordan Clarkson back to D'Angelo Russell for the touch pass touch pass back to Randall for the dunk so it was incredible to see that much ball movement and the guys really being in sync and showing that synergy. So yeah, that should be like the lasting impression and picture we get from the end of the season, not not these guys are winning and we're losing our pick and 2019 pick too.
1: <laughs> well, I hate that they ran
4: a great play that shows that they're understanding how to play basketball. Damn it, I wish you guys had missed that shot.
3: Yeah, so we should take all the positive we can get, including the fact that David Nwaba's balling out right now, and like playing the NBA and then the D-League playoffs, and then the NBA and then the D-League playoffs, and then still having enough energy to dunk the hell out of the ball night in, night out, right? That guy is so explosive, dude. He had like a crazy dunk in San Antonio, too, against yeah. uh, Kyle Anderson or something, but he's... <laughs> He's been incredible to watch. And even Tyler Ennis, you know, has showed some solid progress. Career high, 19 points, six assists, only one turnover. Hey, if you can be like a decent third string point guard for us next year, all the better. So um, there are positives to be taken and had with the end of the season. And who knows? No, actually, I'm not even going to go there. We lost our 2017 top three pick. But we do have our number 28 Houston pick and our number 33 second round pick, which is our own. So, Start doing your homework now or listen to episode <laughs> 1, 120 with um, our draft guy, to Odin, Sean Darenthal. So that episode goes into a deep dive of all the good late first round and early second round picks to be had there. So, yeah, with that said, we'll end on that positive note, which is a good thing considering everybody's talking about tank, tank, tank this, tank that. What are we going to do? The sky ceiling roof is falling, whatever. Um, but, yeah, uh, things should be good as this season ends. And personally, I'm looking forward to just being able to watch some playoff basketball without having to worry about the Lakers. You know, I want to see them play really well to end this, but I don't want to have to worry about all this drama and whatnot. And finally just get down to watching meaningful basketball. I don't know about you.
4: Totally agree. Could not agree more.
3: And you also have the Dodgers. So there you go. Yeah. All right. With that said, that'll do it for our show. Once again, please follow us on Twitter. At Lakers Legacy Pod. Also, you could catch us on Dash Radio. Uncle P, when and where?
1: Oh, what's up, guys? So I, was, I was taking a little nap right there, you know. Uh, Sunday, you know, I got games tonight. Anyway, uh, yeah, man, you guys gonna be on Dash Radio. What's up on Mondays at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. I ain't awake by then, but y'all is because you got real jobs. Uh, That's Pacific Time, 8, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Dash Radio, Legacy, Legacy. What up? Most hated. Yo.
3: All right. Thank you, Uncle P. Alan, I will let you go, and I need to rest my damn voice. Yeah, man. Go Um,
4: take some medicine. Gargle. Do something.
3: <laughs> lemon lemon, honey tea.
4: There you go. There you go. All right. Peace out, everybody. us.
0: Tell them to oppose the Durban marshall credit card bill.
4: Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant